in our series, Words from the Mountain, and this image of the words coming down from the mountain, this is, this is an image of like water trickling down from the mountain where these words are coming from heaven down upon the earth and down to us. And one of my favorite Bible verses is Isaiah 61, and it says, Oh, that you would rend open the heavens. Now, this word rend means to like rip open. And, and what this is telling us is that our souls are wildly stirring. And they're wildly stirring because they're not satisfied. Because we want something that we don't have. And that very thing is God. And so he rends open the heavens and he comes down and he gives us these words from the mountain. Now what we've been doing, uh, we're in this new section of our series. And what we've been seeing, what we've been seeing is that God wants peace between us and him. And he's going to do whatever it takes to get that. And then he moves through into this new section where we're really focusing in. And that's he, God wants peace among us. Husband, wife, friends, community. And so two weeks ago, we looked at anger. And Jesus compared anger to murder. And basically, he called all of you murderers. Uh, he made you feel really good about yourself. But then he was like, but it's okay because we all need grace. And he offers it. And then last week... We talked about marriage and sex, and I made everybody feel completely uncomfortable, and it was amazing for me to watch you guys squirm in your seats. Um, so if you missed that, you can go back and listen to it. Uh, and, and what he's looking for is peace and marriage. And then this week, so, so we go from Jesus calling us a murderer to, to Jesus talking about sex, and then now he talks to us something today that seems a bit boring. And that's why it's so toxic because we don't pay attention to it. Today is all about being true, meaning don't lie. And you're like, oh man, that does, that sounds like, oh man, I could have stayed home and slept a little bit longer. Here's the problem with it, is that you don't pay attention to, to this type of thing, and then it ends up actually ruining your life. Um, and it's probably ruining your life right now. So let me get to it. So, and, and in fact, Jesus saying it's so serious, actually, that it's evil. So he, so you know, he does make you feel a little bit crappy about yourself, where he's like, "Oh, you're evil, by the way." So let me just read it to you. Um, you have heard that it was said to those of old, "You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn." But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is His footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. And do not take an oath. By your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. All right, let me explain what's going on here with this oath thing. So during this time, the Israelites, here's what they would do. They'd make an oath. And they'd typically make an oath to God. Uh, or if it wasn't to God, they'd make an oath to something that God has created, essentially. Now, here's what they're thinking. If somebody wants to believe what someone else is saying, they'll say, well, I will swear to God. And what they're saying is they're kind of like evoking the presence of God. God is coming and he's being there with them. And they're swearing to God as if to say, look, if I don't keep my promise, my punishment's going to be so much greater because I'm swearing to God. And if I make it something different, well, if I make it, I swear by the earth, then you know I'm still going to have a punishment, but it's not going to be as grand. And so the degree that you are willing to make an oath is the degree to which someone could trust you. And Jesus comes on the scene and he's like, you fools, do you not know? That God is always with you. 
What he's saying is, look, you're always under oath. God is always with you. He's always there with you. Okay, so you're, you're tempted right now to not think that this is very important. You're tempted to look around right now, and, and that would be bad of you to do. You're tempted to think, oh, man, this, is, you know, this isn't as spicy as last week. This isn't as like, and, and I'm telling you right now, if you miss this, you're going to end up being a bad friend. You're going to end up being a bad spouse. If you miss what Jesus says today and you don't live into that, you will end up ruining your relationships. And by the way, the other thing he's talking about when he says these oaths, so it wasn't that oaths are bad because Jesus is slapped on the face for making an oath that he's the son of God. Uh, there are oaths that Paul makes in Galatians 1.20. That God takes these oaths in the Old, Old Testament. So there, it's not that they're bad, it's that there's a rightful place for them. But here's Jesus' whole point in this. Be true. Let people be able to trust you. I mean, that's what it's really getting down to. Be genuine. Be, live with integrity. Now, something I want to point out here, too, is that a lot of times people will say, oh, the disciples, you know, they just made this whole thing up about Jesus. Jesus never intended for people to believe what they believe about him. He never would have wanted that. Now look, Jesus' whole ministry is built on truth. I mean, that's what his main thing is, truth, truth, truth. And his disciples are upholding this. So they would never make up a lie to say that he's something he wasn't because everything was about truth for Jesus. And if they want to honor their leader that they've been following for so long, they wouldn't honor his death by making up a lie because that wouldn't honor him at all. It doesn't make sense to think that Jesus would do that. But the point, again, all of this is that when we make our yes, yes, people trust us. Or we make our no, no, people trust us. And the world should be able to trust the Christian. And here's the problem. The world does not trust the church today. It's actually a major problem. It's a major problem for the movement of Christianity, is that the church isn't trusted. And here we're getting to the heart of the problem, that we say we believe something, but yet we don't live like we believe that to be true. And that makes us liars. This is not just about telling a white little lie. This is about proclaiming who you are, what you believe, and then living in a way that's contrary to that. That means your yes is not your yes, and your no is not your no. See, because Christianity is all about love and grace, and like what we do, though, is we shoot people with our arrows of judgment and our, and our, and our words that are attacking and graceless. We say... Christianity puts this high value on being a good neighbor and a good friend, and yet our friends are knocking on the door, and we leave them there knocking until it becomes convenient for us to answer or until we need something from them. And then we open the door and we say, oh, I'm so glad that you're here. And, and this is the worst part about it all, is that we do this, we mess up completely, we mess up being friends to people as we should, and we don't come to them and say sorry, which means we're continuing on in, uh, in being untrue to who we're claiming to be. Preachers lie from the pulpit. Did you know that? L let me tell you how they lie. Preach I'll tell you about preachers. It's, we really want our churches to be huge. We want tons of people to come in. And so, preachers are very tempted to do something. 
to tell you everything you want to hear. And to tell you, come on, everything is awesome. If you can just become a Christian like us, everything's going to be great. Your life is going to be so much better, and it's going to be awesome, and you can join us in this awesomeness. Don't you want to join us in this awesomeness? Everyone's like, yeah, I want to join you. Let's do this. And so everything's going to be awesome. Your life is going to get better. And then suffering hits, and you're like, wait, wait, what just happened? I thought everything was supposed to be better. I thought everything was supposed to be easier. This is harder, and here's what's happened. Preachers wanted their church to grow, so they told people what they wanted to hear because they didn't want to tell them, hey, sometimes when you become a Christian, life gets harder. In fact, Abel was killed by his brother Cain because he lived in such a way that was honoring God. The early Christians died as martyrs because they were Christians, so sometimes life gets harder. The thing that Christianity offers you is strength in the midst of difficulties and hope in the midst of it. Sometimes, yeah, your life gets better, but sometimes it doesn't. But the key is that you have hope. Okay, let me just stop on the preachers and let me tell you about something else. Gossip. Gossip is a lie. You say, well, no, it's not. I'm being honest about some, somebody else to somebody else. Yeah, you're, that's true. You're being, a, you're being a liar to your friend, though. Meaning... See, here's what, it, here's what it means to be a Christian friend. It means that you are there for them and they are there for you no matter what. And it also means that, hey, if there's something that they're doing that's messed up and they don't even realize they're doing it, you go and talk to them. You don't go and confess it to other people because that's a violation of the covenant of what Christian friendship is. And so now you're not letting your yes to your friend, you're saying, yes, I'm your friend, but you're not living like you are. And so that makes you a liar. See, this is more than just our words. This is about the way that we're living our life. And so we go and we do this, and we're confessing other people's sins. You know, friendship is built on us being able to confess our own sins to our friends and maybe talking to them. See, here's the problem. We don't have the courage to be friends like we need to be. We're not driven enough by love. We don't know how to talk to them, probably because we haven't talked to them enough, and we, don't, we haven't learned the art of being a friend where somebody is struggling and with something, we go talk to them about it. And so instead, it's a lot easier to gossip. In fact, it's more exciting to go do it because you don't have to deal with it. You, deal with, you can talk about all the bad stuff, but you, I mean, it's like a reality TV show. You don't have to deal with the repercussions of it. And the other thing that happens is people will say, they'll, they'll, they'll hide being a jerk behind honesty and they'll be like, oh no, I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. That's what I'm supposed to be doing, right? I'm just being honest. Well, honesty without love is a violation of what friendship is. So uh, when I used to be a worship leader, I had some conversations. (laughs) Well, so here's the thing. When you sing... um, it's, very, it's like a very vulnerable thing to do because it's like it's the, the noises are coming from you. And if they're not good, I'm just like, oh, well, that was me that was producing those bad noises. And so if somebody wants to sing and you're like, okay, let's see what you got and it's not so great, then you have to tell them. And when you tell them, it usually brings a lot of pain. Uh, so so I, I, I did the best that I could to be honest with people but also realize that if I'm going to be honest, then I better be willing to walk into the pain with them. And see, see, this is what being a friend is. To be honest 
without walking through someone's pain that you're causing through your honesty is, is to violate everything Jesus is talking about here. Because to be a Christian is to be willing to enter into someone's pain. Oh, and that's what the preacher didn't tell you either. That sometimes in life you're going to willingly walk into suffering for the sake of others because you love them. This is what Christianity is. And when we don't do this, it's a violation of saying that you're a Christian. It's a violation of saying this is what I believe to be true, yet you live a different way. And then you say, well, why are we talking so much about friendship? I thought this was about lying. Well, look, you've got to understand about reading the Bible. And here's something you have to understand. There's different levels when you read it. So you get right into it. Like you're really close. You're looking at it close and you say, this is about not lying. And then you get a little bit up higher and you realize, oh, wait, there's, there's, there's a heart issue going on here about why I'm lying. I'm terrified of something. What's going on? Why am I lying? And then you go all the way up to the top and you realize, wait, but this whole point of all of this is Jesus wants us to have flourishing relationships. And so that's why I'm talking about friendship. You see? So, but, see, because when your yes is not your yes, or your no is not your no, it ruins your friendships. This is why lying, this is what lying does. So, what you're saying to someone when, when you're not honest with them is you're insulting their dignity. You're insulting the image of God in them. But here's what else that you're doing. You're making them not be able to trust you. And you know what happens when someone can't trust you? They hold themselves back from you. Or if you can't trust someone else, you hold something back from them. And now look what's happening. You don't actually get to know that person and they don't get to know you. And you call yourselves friends, but you actually don't know that person because they're terrified of you. They're terrified of being honest with you, or you're terrified of them, and so you don't actually know them, and so there's no friendship there. And this is the ruining of relationships, and this is the loss of the kingdom of God here. Because who, who is protecting themselves from you? We should ask that question. I mean, Jesus is kind of forcing us to do that. Jesus is holding up a mirror to us and saying, look, what do you see? And Jesus wants the kingdom of God to inhabit us, inhabit you. And and what you begin to realize is, man, to really love somebody, that's a lot of work. And it takes a lot of time. And you're likely saying you don't have enough time for it, and you're probably right. And, And here's what Jesus is giving us. He's giving us the ethic of what happens when the kingdom of God comes upon the earth. And the reality is that we don't have what it takes to live the way that he's fully calling us to live, but he's laying it out there so we could see what the kingdom of God is like. And then it makes us realize, man, I don't love people like I should. I am completely failing, and I don't have the energy and I don't have the time to love people like I know I should be loving them. So what do you do with that? You be honest and you go to God and you say, God, I, I can't do this. Like, I can't live the life you're calling me to live. And so you say, God, I'm sorry, I can't do this. And he says, okay, I love you still. And I've been gracious to you and I will continue to be gracious to you. And I'm not going to stop being gracious to you. But, but then he presses in on you and says, but let love like you're called to love people. I mean, it, it is. I mean, in a lot of ways, this is way too much for us. Listen to this. I'm going to say it twice to make sure you get it. To be a Christian is to be something that you have not yet become. To be a Christian is to be something that you have not yet become. 
So you're a Christian. You're a son or daughter of God. You have this new standing. You have this new responsibility. You have this new title. You're a son or daughter of God. So what are you going to do with this? Well, this is what Jesus is. This is how a son or daughter lives. And you say, oh my gosh, I'm not living the way that I'm supposed to be living, God. I'm so sorry. And he says, okay, I'm, I love you. To be a Christian is to be very quick to realize that you don't measure up to your new title. You don't measure up to your new living in the kingdom of God. But it's okay. Because you know what you do? You go and say sorry to people. To be a Christian is to realize, man, if I'm going to really be a Christian and be honest, like Jesus is saying, that means I need to be saying sorry a whole bunch to people. And look, that's exhausting too. So look, we got another thing. Oh man, now I got to start saying sorry to everybody. That's exhausting. They're probably going to get tired of me saying sorry to them all the time. This is the kingdom of God. This is what it looks like when the kingdom of God begins to inhabit a sinful world. And you know what? Confessing your sins, it gets really easy when you become enamored by the grace of God. When you really see that Christ has done everything for you and he's died a gruesome death and he's risen but it's not just that his perfect life is credited to you and now there's no way that God is not going to love you he's going to give you everything all love always because he's looking at you and he's seeing you just like his son and guess what that does that makes you say okay God loves me he accepts me I'm completely forgiven so I can go and ask for forgiveness and it completely tears away your pride this is about being a church of people who are just good friends to each other You know, there's, this is where God does the best stuff. Everyday, ordinary people doing ordinary things and loving God and loving people while they do it. Not a big show, just love. Just love. And, it's, and, and by the way, don't be honest. This is not about being just honest in your friendships. This is about being honest with yourself and taking a good, good look at you. I mean, that's what God is doing here. And this is, this is where it gets hard. This is where why we lie gets exposed. So I want to tell you this. The reason that you lie, first of all, is because you're scared of being seen as a fraud. You have this image that you're presenting to the world around you, and you are scared, you're terrified that they're going to see that you are not what they see you to be. Here's the other real here, Here's even the deeper reason. We lie because we're terrified of not getting what we want. We're terrified of not getting what we love. And we're terrified that we're not going to get our great ambition. And so we're forced into a corner and we just lie to get what we want. See, here's the core of what's wrong with humans. It's not that we have loves and wants and desires. Those are good things. It's the order of our loves and wants and desires. And what Jesus is saying, when he says, when he's telling you don't lie and it's evil if you do, what he's saying is the reason that you lie is because you have a disordered love and that disordered love is evil. You're messing up the order of things. You're putting things that should be down here way up here. It's not that you shouldn't love those things. It's there's a priority to your love. Think of it like this. You always are true to what you love most in that moment. You always are true to what you want most in that moment. 
And you are always true to your greatest ambition in that very moment. If you're surprised at the things that you're doing, it's just the order of your love. And in that moment, you had something at the top, and it took over everything else, and you were true to that thing. And you can't really help it. You will always obey what you love most. Whatever you put at the top of the list, that's the thing you're being true to, and that's the thing that you are always obeying. So if you say that you love one thing most, but actually something else is at the top of the list, you will look like a liar because you're saying that you love one thing, but actually it's something else. This is why we're building our church on this this concept of wrestling with faith and doubt, because as soon as we started talking about this, Christians were like, oh my gosh, I can talk about my doubts. I have a place where I, where I don't have to pretend like I'm putting God up at the top of the list because he's not there. I got a whole bunch of other stuff there and I got to talk about it. And finally, I got a place where I can talk about it. This is, this is great. Thank you. So let's think it like this. Take your career. If your career is your great love and your boss asks you a question and it's going to mess up your career, you will lie because your, your career is your great love. You will not be able to help it. You will just do it because it's your greatest love in that moment. And you, and you might look back and you might say right now, I would never do that. But then in that moment, it happens and you look back and you're like, wow, I can't believe I did that. Or you'll be lying to your family. Well, what do I mean? Well, you kind of enter into this covenant when you have a family that family is more important than career and than job. And you say to your family, I love you more than my job. But it doesn't look like that. And so because it doesn't look like that, you become a liar to your family. Did he say, did God hear us? That's adorable. He does. Okay. Lies are there to drive you to get something. There's something you want. There's an ambition. There's a drive, and you want it. And guess what starts happening? The thing that you want, you're not getting it, but you're getting backed into a corner, and you're starting to think, I'm never going to get this thing. And as you get backed into the corner, you're like, what do I do? What do I do? And you begin to freak out, and so your answer is, I'm going to lie. My, lying is my answer to get out of this. You're, you're always true to what you love most. Let's say you want people to admire you, people to approve of you, people to just think you're awesome. So you exaggerate things so people will think that you're great. Here's what happens. When God becomes your greatest love, and you hear Bible verses like this, God sings over you, he delights in you, and he's singing over you as if he's singing over a child in a crib. I mean, the parents sing over a child in a crib, delighting in their child. God is singing over you like that. He's approving of you like that. When you hear that, you say, oh my gosh, I have all the approval that I could ever want or need, and it's from the one who really matters, so I don't care. I just don't care anymore what people think about me. And so look, look what happens. Now you can be honest. You don't have to pretend that you look one way when you're really something or someone else. Maybe you say, well, I don't really care what people think about me per se. I just want to be successful, and so I want to present an image. Well, then just success is up at the top of your great love and want. Or maybe you're terrified of losing control in your life. So control freaks, it's like you have a magic wand. And somehow, some way, you just are able to get what you want all the time because you got this wand and somehow you figured out how to do it. Well, you lie when you feel like you're about to lose that wand. 
When that wand feels like it's about to be ripped out of your hand, you don't want it to go. So you lie in order to stay in control or power. So uh, people who like power have a certain way that they lie. So you're like, well, I, I don't know if I like power. Well, here's the thing. People with power, their, their fear is looking foolish. Their fear is looking dumb. Their, feel, their fear is, is being found out some way, somehow, and now they're going to lose power and they're lo- going to lose influence. And so here, here's what people with power do. They, they do something dumb and they get caught and then they completely lie about what they've done because they're just terrified of looking dumb. So that's if you want power or comfort. Now, you've heard me say this a bunch. Comfort is the great God of our area. Like, if you want to put something on the top of the list of the greatest loves and wants in our area, it's comfort. And we are ambitious about it, but we don't look ambitious about it because we're chasing comfort. So it just looks relaxing. But actually, this is like a, just like a squirming desire in every single person in this area, it seems. And so if comfort is being threatened, here's what you do. Someone asks you a question, and when they ask you the question, the answer is going to be uncomfortable, so you lie. Or they ask you, hey, can you do something for me? You know, like, oh, man, I don't want to say no. That's going to be uncomfortable if I tell them no. Yep, I got you, man. I'll do it. And then they don't show up. They're not there. What happened? It was going to be too uncomfortable for them to tell you the truth. So they just told you a lie with no, no intention of keeping what they told you they would do. I mean, I don't know if this sounds familiar to any of you. Those people just didn't show up today, I guess. Or, here's our problem. We're divided. We have these shifting loves and these shifting wants. I would describe Christianity as learning to identify what's your greatest love in that moment and then arguing with yourself about why that does not deserve to be number one and replacing that number one with God. The problem... My great problem, see, here's what happens to me. When God's at the top of my list, I'm feeling very clear about who God is and what he has done for me. And then the rest of my life seems to line up correctly. But if I'm being honest, which is what the sermon is about, so I probably should be honest with you about this, is that more often God is not the number one at the top of my list. More often, I'm chasing my kingdom over God's kingdom. More often, I'm chasing my ambitions over God's ambitions. And, you know, I mean, this is what it leads us to do. Whatever's up there, it's controlling your life. And that's why this is so evil in the eyes of God, because whatever's up there, it's taking hold of your life and it's making you say things that are not true. I lie and over-exaggerate because I just want people to think I'm awesome. Why am I doing that? Because God's not at the top of my list. Something else is. Now, I know none of you over-exaggerate about your life on Instagram or social media and what you, your pictures, they look exactly like your life really actually is. Right? So, I mean, we lie to the world. Why? Because of what we want, because of what we love, and because of our ambitions, because of our desires. I'm not saying social media is wrong. 
I'm saying, why are you posting what you're posting? What's the want? What's the desire? What is the, the, the thing that you want people to just love you for or whatever? You could post the very same thing with completely different motives. Most of which are probably some type of lie to the world around you so that, they, so that you could get what you want. Here's what Christianity promises you. Everything that you want, everything that you desire, the thing that will satisfy you is Christ. I'm becoming convinced that the art of being a Christian is to take an honest look at your life and see what the order of your loves is. And then to see that order and to say, okay, I need to have a conversation with myself and remember all the reasons why I put God at the top of that list that one day or that week ago or that year ago or just two hours ago and he's gone now. He's hit the bottom of the list again. And it's this art of constantly taking an assessment of where your heart and how your heart has ordered the loves that are in your life and saying, okay, what is my everything right now in this moment? And why is it there? And why is God not there? And then arguing with yourself about why you should remove that thing that you've put at number one and remove it from there and put God back at that top. And as soon as you do, then your life is true. And if your life is not true, then it's because God is not at the top of your list in that moment, which makes us realize that God is hardly ever at the top of our list. You are made for God, and your heart will continue. Your soul will continue to stir and stir wildly until finally it finds its rest in God. Him. He's everything you want. He's all of your desires. All of those unmet wants found in Him. And then you just tell the truth. You know, truth is important to God, but it's not just that it's important. There's a place where the Bible says Jesus is truth. Like, give him a name, let's name him truth. What does that mean? Well, in the Old Testament, there's all these promises that God makes. And the answer to every single one of those promises are yes, in Christ, meaning I will be true to these promises that I've made to you, and the way that I'm going to be true to these promises is by Christ and Christ alone. He is the answer to everything that you are looking for. Your soul can finally be at rest. You can finally be satisfied, but you've got to go to Him. Stop messing around with stuff that's not going to satisfy you and go to Him. See, oaths are good. In, a, in their rightful place. But here's the thing with God. When God says yes, it means yes. But God makes oaths in the Old Testament. Why? Because he's trying to give us some confidence in him. He's trying to reassure us that he's going to keep his promises. He's, he's acting, he's, he's lowering himself in a way. Now, so here's what he does. He says, okay, you don't believe me that I'm going to keep these promises? And he looks all around. He says, okay, what, what can I swear by? What can I swear by? Oh, I'm going to swear by myself. It's a really weird thing. He says, I swear in my name that I will give you what I promise I'm going to give you. Why is he doing that? 
because there's nothing greater for him to swear by. And if that's true, then it does mean he's the very desire of our soul. That's why Jesus is the truth, because he's the answer to everything, every single one of these desires that we have. And remember, Jesus said that anything untrue is evil. There's another Bible verse that says Satan is the father of all lies. Now let me just end with this. Satan is the father of lies, and we lie, which means what? We are in his grip, that he's got us. The premise of the cross is that this is where Jesus rips Satan's hands off of you and gives himself over to evil. In a way, he is eaten up by it, and he's swallowed into death, and then he breaks through it. He breaks through the lie of death. See, all of you are convinced that death is the end. Or you're wrestling with it. But it's still a fear. It doesn't have to be. Because he's true. And he's done what he says he's going to do. And so, you don't have to fall for the ultimate lie. And it means something. It means you're safe. It means you're free. It means everything's going to be okay. It means that you can be happy in him. And it means something else. You can go to God and you can say, God, I'm going to be honest with you finally. I'm really sorry. I've not been who I know I needed to be, but I know it's okay because I know you're going to give me grace because you've promised it and you will not break a promise. So you go to him and you say sorry and he says it's okay. And now you're free from guilt and shame and the power of sin. Let me end with this line. I'm going to say it twice. The sign of someone who is truly free is someone who isn't scared of the truth. Sign of someone who's truly free is someone who isn't scared of the truth. Come out of hiding. Show the world who you really are going to be okay. And then finally you can experience friendship as it's meant to be. Let me pray. God, help us to come out from hiding. Help us to come out from feeling like we're backed into a corner. To come into your arms knowing that everything's okay and then to turn around and look at all of our friends and say, hey, this is me. And then to experience friendship in such a way where we can trust these people. They embrace us, we embrace them. And it is this beautiful picture of the kingdom of God coming on the earth. God, help us to know that this is possible here and now. And help us to experience it here in this church. And take that out to the world. God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.